David, how's your summer? My summer is progressing nicely. How about yours, Todd? Mine has been great. I've just uh, returned from some travel, and I know you're now able to um, perhaps relax a bit because um, on ASN's behalf, you've filed the Society's response to the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services End-Stage Renal Disease Prospective Payment System Quality Incentive Program Proposed Rule for 2023. Did I say that correctly? Yes. That is a mouthful, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it's funny, too, because I try not to speak in acronyms, but if you wanted it, you could say the CMS ESRD PPS QIP, um, and you'd be conveying the same sort of information. So it's definitely a mouthful either way. Well, I think we, we, we might do that a little bit here, and I'll try not to get too far into it, if that's okay. Yeah, that, that sounds good. I mean, maybe let's just start with kind of a process question. So what was CMS asking of the community and what's kind of the, what's, what are the next steps in the process? Let's start there and then we can get into some of the substance. Sure, sure. Um, and um, I think we, uh, you and I have been talking about this with other members of ASN. So we ought to just note for everybody listening, this is the 50th anniversary this year of the creation of the end-stage renal disease program benefit within Medicare. It's a big deal. That's correct. So the, the actual date when um, then-President Nixon signed the legislation was October 30th, 1972. The legislation then went into, um, uh, into practice in uh, 1973. And since then, um, the, at the time, it was the Healthcare Financing Administration, which is now the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, has been responsible for administering the program. And each year, they turn to the community and say, here are some changes we'd like to make um, to improve the program. What do you think? And each year, members of the community, including ASN, respond. Well, that's, you, you asked me a moment again, kind of like what they asked of everyone. Um, and what they ask, you know, there's some basic things that they ask every year. And I'm not going to go too far into, into all the financial things that each uh, dialysis facility needs. Um, those are pretty weedsy. And uh, there's lots of comments and uh, information provided about that. But they did, they did ask for things like what should be the policy around transitional add-on payments, which is the, the payments for innovation. They did talk about doing a wage index cap for declines, which is kind of an interesting thing since that's certainly not the environment we're in right now. Uh, labor indexes are going up very high. Um, they talked about just generally what to do next year since since there's always a two-year lag, um, the data for next year that would be payment-based is actually from 2021. And so, as we know, that's still very, very much in the midst of COVID-19 and in the supply and labor shortages that we faced uh, in, 2019, in 2021 as well. So, since we, we're not going to spend time on those, but they're obviously really important issues, if people are interested in, in reading ASN's response or, or reading responses from any other members of the community, from the Renal Physicians Association to the large dialysis organizations to everyone in between. What's the best way to access this information? Well, right now, you can just go to the ASN website. If you click on the policy and advocacy link in the website, ASN website, you'll go straight to the landing page, which has all the top issues on there. And the very top issue right now includes a link to this letter. And you can find out what we said about all of those particular things. 
and particularly about measure suppression that will be affecting payment next year. We don't need to go into all of that here, but we did a lengthy conversation in the letter and you can find out everything that's been recommended for suppressing and everything that we think needs to also be included for basically no no penalties for next year because the, the 2021 data selecting some and not all of it would just really kind of skew things. But they have other things they want to know about. They're pretty big in their RFIs. Yeah, and before we get to that, just, just so um, everyone understands, um, this is about a 30-page response. Um, so there is a lot of detail and a lot of substance in it. Um, but it is it is interesting reading, and I think it helps um, kind of both the questions and the, the proposals that CMS is making, as well as the responses from ASN and from other members of the community, really do start to provide, if you will, a, a roadmap or a framework for how the Medicare ESRD program um, is, is likely to evolve over the next few years. So maybe just to, to use that as a, a, a transition, what are some of the issues you wanted to make sure that, that um, everyone knew that, that ASN you know, spent some time in its response on? Okay, there there are a couple of things here. I like the fact that you were, used the word evolve because we're not looking at the last 50 years of this program. We're looking at the next 50 years. Uh, and with the other things that we're doing at ASN, like Kidney X and Key, the Kidney Health Initiative, we're also hoping that in 50 years there'll be dramatic change as to what is happening for kidney patients. Um, but one of the things that was, they, they had RFIs, request for information, and that's basically the government signaling We've heard you that we need to work on this, so here's your opportunity to tell us what you want to do. Um, first of all, they wanted to know about what would be indicative of quality for home dialysis. And uh, as you know, uh, as all of our listeners know, there's been a big, big, big um, uh, push in the area of home dialysis um, in the last couple of years, ever since the Advancing American Kidney Health uh, Executive Order. And just in general, just the, uh, the groups like ASN and, and um, the Alliance for Home Dialysis and RPA and others wanting to improve and increase the levels of home dialysis. So there's not much quality measurement there yet. And, uh, you know, a, the CMS, Medicare doesn't really know how to work in a system that doesn't have measurement because that's what they reward and pay for. Um, so we have a pretty extensive conversation about patient reported outcome measures uh, that might be considered, and also adjustments in the overall comprehensive assessment of KT over V. And, um, and that's something that all nephrologists, you know, have had to deal with in, in, in fellowship training, whether they do dialysis or not now, but dealing with the overall volume load uh, when you dialyze a patient. And the reason for that is because Right now, the standards for in-center and hemodialysis are the same for PD, and ASN's leadership and, and members of its various committees do not believe that that should be the case, that they should be disaggregated, and you can get to a, a totally different quality direction by doing that. And if they're following the 2020 guidance of the International Society for Peritoneal Dialysis in doing so. So it's a good read if you want to read that. Before we move to the next issue, I just, I'm struck that there seems to be agreement, at least among the experts that ASN um, relied on to draft this response on this issue. Was there any, is there any, do you think there'll be pushback from other members of the community? Um, I, I think that people are going to want to make sure that there is some reference point for, for, for volume assessment, you know, and 
that that there is still a comprehensive measure that we are keeping an eye on that. Um, and that's exactly what CMS is going to want to know too. So I, I think we did lay out how there's different ways in which you can do this um, and still come up with a comprehensive evaluation of how facilities deal with this uh, without having to do something that is really not conducive for at-home PD patients. Um, and it really is, is kind of, uh, it, it's, it's really holding two different apples and oranges things to the same standard in a way that they really shouldn't be. Okay, got it. Um, so what, what about the next issue that you wanted to highlight? Well, the really big one was they basically just said, we want to know how to address disparities um, and, and, and in all of these services, all of the renal dialysis services. Um, and so that's a really big one uh, that ASN has been trying to get its points around for quite some time. Um, and last year, when they made some changes to the uh, ESRD treatment choices model, the mandatory model, it became the first time that they tried to stratify um, some of um, the, the measurements in that system. First time Medicare had ever tried to stratify it based on some of the um, attributions of social determinants of health, particularly around people who are dual eligible, dual eligible being for Medicare and Medicaid, and also who receive low income subsidies. So we are asking them to continue doing some of that and continue extending that into the system. Um, and we also are asking them to further consider the use of Z codes, um, which are Z codes, of course, that our members know to collect data uh, that has to do with things like related to employment, unemployment, uh, your social environment, risk factors, housing challenges, food challenges, the things that can really uh, greatly impact how people really do in, in their healthcare, um, but aren't being tracked. And we're, and we're knowing that tracking is not gonna be to solve everything, but the catch is without starting to track it, without getting the data, we're, we're, we're always gonna be kind of guessing in the dark as to what's happening. Um, so we really have looked at, a, it's a big discussion for a couple pages in the document about what it is that we think that they should be looking at, what information they should be gathering, uh, also the use of zip code information, um, and and how they should be accumulating that with electronic health records, um, and why it's so important to make sure that we, we capture that. My initial question would be, where do you see CMS going? Because this seems like the very beginning of a much longer conversation. And to some extent, while they're having it within the context of the ESRD program, it seems like they're, this could apply to, to other programs and other diseases, this, this sort of focus and these types of, of levers. That's exactly right, Todd. Uh, they are making an effort, the government is making an effort to ask these questions across the, the spectrum of what HHS does. And in other departments as well, but they are, but I mean, healthcare is one where disparities are really very, very evident and really have a significant detrimental impact in some cases. Um, so these are things that are going to be, they're going to be asking groups to track um, both practices, hospitals, every type of healthcare system. Um, and, and that it will be really critical to kind of knowing how you're doing or how much you're serving. And it also gives you a chance to, to identify 
areas and providers who are who are really um, at, at ground zero level and really kind of argues for some extra attention and extra action. So um, anyway, that's uh, that's kind of a, a, I think we're going to really see a lot of that. Um, and there's also the discussions that we've had around social determinants of health and the algorithms, which ASN and NKF work so hard on about, about removing race from them. Yeah, just before we move to the next issue, just to commend to everyone, um, Jason, the Journal of the American Society of Nephrology, recently had just a, a remarkable series about the effect of social determinants of health on um, the people with, with kidney diseases in the United States, and, and they have aggregated that series, so it is available on the Jason website. And I would just encourage people, if they haven't had a chance to read it, to read it, because um, there's a lot there, and I think you know, moving forward, you can start to see how these threads are all going to start to become unified in terms of, of policy and, and kind of areas of, of focus, both for the federal government, but also for the kidney community. Um, so what's your, what's the next issue you wanted to highlight? Well, I, w I did want to just say to everybody who might be listening and might be interested in reading, uh, there there's a significant section here. The government did ask the question separately for adults and for children. So in with along with the American Society of Pediatric Nephrology, ASN and ASPN together um, have a quite a healthy conversation in the document about what are the needs that really have to, that you have to face um, when you're dealing with children. Um, and you know it, it's it's all the more impactful because if, if generally if a child is facing social determinants of health, then generally the caregiver is as well. Um, and you can't completely separate those things and expect to be very successful. So that's also an, an extensive section of of our comment letter and how you might address that. So I would really encourage um, uh, listeners to go to the, the website, take a look at that. There's also, we are repeating some of the recommendations that ASPN and ASN made last year um, about the, the need for CMS to break down uh, the age groups appropriately for under six and then from six to 11 years old and then 12 to 18 years old. Um, and so, you know, a, a lot of, there's a lot of things happening on, on the pediatric side that really require special attention and really tailored approaches uh, where it's not all about, it's, you know, as we say, home dialysis is not in center dialysis just made to go home. And by the same time, Pediatric dialysis and pediatric care is not the same thing as adult care, just made a little bit smaller. Um, so, you know, it's just important to kind of keep that in mind. So, David, you've mentioned our, the Renal Physicians Association, the American Society of Pediatric Nephrology. Um, you know, I know there's coalitions like Kidney Care Partners. So there's there's a lot of different stakeholders. Just hypothetically, if you if you spend a hundred hours, and I know it was more than this, but if you spend a hundred hours this summer drafting ASN's response, what percentage of the time is interacting with ASN leaders in terms of what the what the response should be, and then what percentage is interacting in sort of a bilateral way with organizations like ASPN or RPA, and what percentage of time is coalitions and other activities? I'm just trying to get a sense as to kind of how you spent your summer, if you will, while I was at the beach reading, you know, The Island by Adrian McKinty and other novels and catching up on that. 
Yeah, yeah. Let's we'll we'll save that discussion for for summer equity for another time. But yes. Oh, uh, you know that's a hard question, Todd. That's a really hard question um, because the truth of the matter is we and the kidney community are trying very hard to kind of come together and and advocate with a unified voice because that's you know if if it's just you know one group here and one group there and everyone's saying a different thing, it's it's CMS is going to throw up its hands and not do much. And also, when I go into coalition meetings, um, I, I generally, even though it is a staff level one-to-one, I'm always accompanied by um, uh, uh, leadership and members of ASN. So a nephrologist is with me. Uh, there's two nephrologists with me at all times when we go into the kidney care partners work groups where a lot of this work does get done in, in, uh, in the, for the community. But then also same thing with the Alliance for Home Dialysis, um, and then just exchange rates back between RPA and, and uh, ASN and also ASPN. So um, and so, for example, you know, as you know, we have someone who's been heavily involved in ASPN, who serves on the Quality Committee, which does the development of these. So we try to keep a relationship there within our, our workforce because. There are a lot of different issues there that, that we need that expertise for us as, as well. Um, so, I mean, maybe if, if all of, if you took 100% of time working on this and you said how much of it is with just ASN leaders, it may sound a little bit smaller, but that's because a lot of it is with them and the, and the other groups. So it could be more like, um, you know, working with leadership is more like 60, 65% of the time. And then the rest of the time is me working with different groups and reading materials that leadership has sent me or that other groups have sent and asked us to consider. Well, well, thanks for indulging me. I, I think it's helpful for people to realize just how um, iterative this process is and also collaborative and, and that the community, to your point, if we're speaking with one voice, we're more likely to um, drive change at CMS and that change, if, if the community is correct, and the community usually is correct when they're in agreement, uh, results in better patient care. So it's, it's sort of a win-win situation. So we probably have time for one more issue. What's the last topic you'd like to highlight? Well, uh, they added in two social drivers of health measures. And that, that's really important because within those two social drivers of health, uh, they're, they're, they're two and they have to do with screening for them and they also have to do with um, just kind of how the, how the screening is translated into measurement um, and within the QIP, the quality incentive program. But the most important thing at this is each measure has at its center five core domains and those five core domains are food insecurity, housing instability, transportation needs, utility difficulties, and interpersonal safety. I will say that as, as you saw in the back and forth with uh, ASN leadership and members in the comments, our group completely in, agrees with those, but adds one more, and that is whether or not you are a native English speaker in terms of drivers, of social drivers that can influence how your health outcomes will be determined. Um, and, and we see very high rates of, of as much as 65, 70% of, of the outcomes being predicted, are often predicted to be influenced by these, these five domains within social drivers of health. So 
this is going to be another thing that we're going to see being moved along just on a regular basis uh, that they are trying to put in, they being Medicare and, and other parts of the government, are trying to put into measurement so that they can really just see exactly what the scope of the problem looks like and, you know, what are the main thorns and the things that are really difficult for people to deal with. Transportation is one. Housing is one. Language is one. Uh, so, and, and housing and food really go together. Well, David, thank you. I, I know we joke about it, but I know this is a, a big endeavor and it takes up a lot of the summer. And, and you know, but also just to thank all of our the ASN volunteers who spent an incredible amount of time helping to shape these comments. Again, if anyone's interested in, in reading ASN's response, um, it is available on the Society's website under Policy and Advocacy. Um, I'll, I'll give you the last word. Is there any, what's, what's your, what are your closing thoughts on this topic? The government and the, the kidney care community are looking to see how to make this system more equitable and more transparent as we move into the future. And I know there's other things that need to occur, but transparency and equity seem to be a really important step for everyone right now. This podcast is copyrighted by the American Society of Nephrology. All rights reserved. All content in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be medical advice. This podcast should not be used in a medical emergency or for the diagnosis or treatment of any medical condition. Please consult your doctor or other qualified healthcare professional if you have any questions about any medical condition or before taking any drug, changing your diet, or commencing or discontinuing any course of treatment. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the American Society of Nephrology.